how great thou art. That's him, amen. That is him. Well, well, well. All right, does anybody have anything you want to give a praise report on? It's always good to see Miss Catherine with us. It's a treat, amen. Amen. It's good to be able to come, it's good to be able to go, and it's really good to have friends, Amen. amen. He that has friends, the scripture says, must be first friendly, must be friendly, right? If you're not friendly, you can't expect to have friends, so you've got to be friendly to have friends. So, all right, anybody, anybody have a, a, a praise that you want to give away, something you want to share? Isn't it a nice day? It really is. It's so, um, it's pretty, it's nice, it's comfortable. Pam said, that shoulders are hurting her on there. How many of y'all else got a little aches and pains here and there? Oh, you feel it too. Brittany, you got a few aches and pains? Oh, that back is going down that sciatic nerve. Look, Miss Barbara says she feels your pain right now. She's got it too. She's got it too. Stephanie was feeling it yesterday on the ride, on the drive. She asked me, did I have a Tylenol? Did I have something? And I said, girl, I gave them all to you already. I ain't got no more to give. I had beans and coffee beans in it. I said, I don't have any. I said, I got tools for the kingdom, but I ain't got nothing for your back right now. Yeah. All that was in another, another bag. Well, I had given it to her when she took off on this last trip. So I don't know what she did with it. I doubt she took them all, but they're somewhere. Put it that away. They're somewhere. See, but I had, I had beans in my pocket, and I had coffee beans in my pocket. I got pacifiers in my pocket. I got nails in my pocket. I look, I'm like a guy out west with his, with his shooters on his side. Ready? Ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> I give them away. I just keep loading them back up in my pocket. Anytime we go off like that, I put a few extra in. You never, you never know surprisingly on how many times I could share that bean and when you share it it's like a light bulb comes on in people's minds and that coffee bean um, people who enjoy and drink a lot of coffee I was sharing it with a couple different people this weekend they were saying matter of fact I was sharing it with a group that was making coffee that was grinding coffee I had no idea that was how coffee how we get coffee you know but so it has such a picture of us as disciples of what we, what we go through uh, to be the type of people that change the atmosphere of what God immerses us in. That's what coffee does. It changes what it gets immersed in. It's immersed in water. It changes how water tastes. It changes how water smells. And that's what we as disciples do. We change. We have an effective change on the things we immersed in. That's because we've gone through a process just like a roasted coffee bean has gone through a process to do that and um, you got to go through the fire you got to go through the grinder you have to go through the difficult things of life Stephanie was talking about contentment that was what the focus of the conference was this weekend and like Paul teaches in Philippians as Stephanie brought out that he had learned he had learned he'd been taught He'd been taught by Jesus. 
that he could be content in whatever he had, whether he had a lot or whether he had little. Whatever the circumstances of life that he found himself in, Christ had strengthened him by teaching him that in every phase of those circumstances, by living life in his presence and learning from him, he learned he can be content in whatever Christ, whatever position he put him in. And that's how contentment is a, is a learned thing that you have to live. You don't learn it by just hearing it. You don't learn it by just here, watching somebody else go through it, it's a personal thing that he has to teach you and he only teaches us through circumstances, through the hardships, through the ease, through the comforts, through the challenges of life is how we learn contentment by experience of his presence and his teaching in our life in those times. So I can't say I know he strengthens me unless he has strengthened me in the good and the bad, in the easy and the, the hard, in all of it. That's where that contentment comes from, from him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Ain't he good? Look, we want to praise him for the good and we want to praise him for the hard. Amen? Because if, if he doesn't keep the hard things from us, that, that is something that we can praise him for, what he's doing in our journey right now. If he's drawing you close through... Suffering through pain, through difficulty, through unforeseen events, through difficult times, we can't help but give him praise and glory for shepherding us through this old life as we walk through it. The scripture says that God prepares a table. He prepares a table before us where? In the presence of who? So we get to celebrate a feast that he supplies and prepares when we are in the presence of our enemy. Now, if I'm focused on the enemy and not upon the feast, I won't enjoy the feast that he set before me because my eye is all around the enemy. And I, I forget that not only does his rod guide and discipline and chasten me, but his rod beats the enemy off of me and I can celebrate. I can celebrate this life in his presence even though I'm in the midst of the enemy all around me. Amen. And that, that the sheep was never necessarily not away from the enemy when they were in the fields in the green pastures and sipping water on the, the still waters. They, they, they had, they had um, wolves and, and bears and all those things around them at all times, but the shepherd kept them at bay. And the shepherd would protect them as they went through uh, this old journey that we call life, which the scripture describes as the valley of death, the shadow of the valley of... We live in that. That's what this world is. We walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We're on the shadow side of the fall of Adam and Eve. And this, everything in this world is going to die, right? Amen. Everything's coming to that. So we living in that shadow, but shadows don't hurt you, does it? We have a solution. We have an answer uh, for those things as Jesus shepherds us through this, through this life that he's called us to live for his glory. And because he is our shepherd, we have no want. Amen? We have no want. And he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now the thing is, 
The only defensive means we have as a sheep, and he being our shepherd, is his voice, is hearing him and following him. Well, we talked about this morning in Psalm 131. Anybody have any questions on some of those things? Anything you want to add to that? Share. Psalm 131, I said it's a very brief psalm, very short, but it can take some time to learn how to live in this place. And if we're not careful, uh, we, we are test the waters on doing things independent of God. And that is only going to set us up for this unsettled, stressed out, frustrated journey because it's, God is not going to allow his child that belongs to him live independently of him in this world we live in. He's going to discipline and chasten us. And oftentimes it's that frustrated unsettled, stressed out, disturbed spirit that is revealing to us that we've taken our eyes off of him. And he has a way of working things out where we can't help but look to him. He makes our mountains stand strong before us. David said that in one of the Psalms. He said that in my prosperity and my great success, when I was up on the, on the peak, he said, ain't nothing going to make me move. Nothing's going get, to get to me. And then he says, by your favor, by your grace, you made my mountain stand strong. What God did was show him that, David, I know you are walking with me, but what you have is of me. If you hadn't done this on your own and you hadn't got to this place on your own. And as soon as you start thinking you've gotten to this place on your own, I'm going to have to put something in front of you that you can't conquer, that you can't do, that it's impossible for you to overcome. For what reason? To turn you back to me, where you come back to me. And that you need to hear from me. You need to walk with me. Because you are defenseless without hearing my voice and following after me. Amen? Amen. So David learned these things in Psalm 131. That hey, God is, is for me. I don't know everything about him as I tried to illustrate this morning. How little Hazel Jane doesn't know everything about me. She doesn't know where I've been in life. She don't know the things that I've seen. She doesn't know the people I've been around. She doesn't know the, the full journey of my life. She don't know nor understand all the things that I do know or see or have seen in my past. But you know what she does? What does she do? She still, she trusts me, even though she doesn't know those things. She trusts me. And there's so much about our journey with the Lord that we don't know. But I can trust him. I can trust him. It's Jesus who illustrated that to us where he says that if we don't come to him as a child, we cannot enter in the kingdom of heaven. Look at Matthew 18. Go to Matthew 18. I think he says it there. He says it in several places. Matthew 18, beginning in verse number 1, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying... Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Here we have it. What did David say when he was like a weaned child in the lap of his mother, just like a weaned child in the lap of his mother? He reiterated, said it twice. He said, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, nor do I concern myself with great matters, things that are too profound for me. Notice how this passage starts out. The disciples are asking who's the greatest in the kingdom. That's a natural thing for men 
to want to know who's the greatest, who's going to be the greatest, who is the greatest, who's the greatest in the past, who's the greatest race car driver, you know, who's the greatest basketball, the greatest boxer, the greatest baseball player. And we saw our boy Dakota around here got picked up by the Rams and uh, got drafted in the in an NFL draft. I noticed yesterday that he got picked up and he's going to be with the Rams. But we have all these greatest. The greatest of, of all time. That's what men want to know. Well, who's the best? Who's going to be the greatest? David said that he quieted his spirit when he set that kind of stuff aside and just found himself in the greatest one and rested in him. And like a winged child, he didn't concern himself with, with great and lofty things. He just let God be God in his life. And he found great comfort in that. Here the same question, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Then Jesus called a little child to him and he set him in the midst of them. And Jesus said in verse number three, assuredly, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are turned, converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven as a little child. As a little child who is, who trust their mother, who trust their father, who trust a grandmother or a grandfather, even though they don't know everything about them, even though they don't understand all that they know, even though they don't know the authority and power that they really have or what they can do or the potential that they have, they don't know what they've done in the past, they don't know all that, but they what? They trust them. Why? Because that mother and that father, that grandmother, that grandfather, that aunt or whoever it is, has not given them any reason not to trust them. Hasn't harmed them, hasn't hurt them, been gentle to them, taken care of them, has nurtured and loved. Like little Maddie Walker sitting back there with her grandparents, she, she trusts them. And though she is, is learning and as her cognitive reasoning continues to develop, and even though she's going to learn more and more about Greg and Janet and how she can, how she can trust them and they're going to take care of her and they're going to bless her. They don't spoil, we don't spoil our grandkids. We bless them, right? Going to bless them. And, uh, but she, she's not going to know where y'all been, what y'all seen, what you've experienced, how you've experienced it, all those things. She just is going to enjoy being in your presence and just going to trust you. And Jesus said, unless we are turned from this independence of having things figured out in our own way, doing our own thing as a, as a teenager. You know how teenagers are? Teenagers think they know what? Everything. This, this sense of adolescence of, hey, I got this figured out. I'm getting a taste of life. I'm figuring all these things out. Now, like Stephanie and I, me, Stephanie and I are flawed people. We've got f flaws in our life. We've got flaws in our past. I'm sure there's going to be some flaws in our future. Now, we entrust in our flaws 
unto him who, who is flawless. We're, we're casting our imperfections upon him. Janet and Greg, y'all have got flaws. But God doesn't have any flaws. Amen. And the more we learn about him and what he does know and what he does do, the more we trust him. The more we love him, the more we treasure him. Whereas a, a child, we, we, um, our grandchildren are going to see me or hear me one day say something, do something, respond in a way that's going to be like, whoa, I didn't know, I didn't know Papa uh, would do that. I didn't know Papa would, would act like that. I didn't know Papa would say anything like that. Well, there's times when I stand before God and say, God, I didn't know you do that. I didn't know, I learned about him and I, I didn't realize this is what you do and this is how you do it. And I stand uh, amazed and in awe, but there's no flaw in him. There could have been a flaw in me of why I did what I did. We went to Sonic one day. Stephanie was waiting for it, huh? I was not going to say nothing. Stephanie, no. Stephanie said she was waiting for it. She said, Nick, if you don't say it, I'm going to share it. Yeah. Yeah, no, we went to Sonic one day. And you know, you, you can get frustrated. At, y'all ever get frustrated out and about? I'm just like you. Look, I, I still got some areas of sanctification going on in me. And, and we had waited a while for two drinks or four drinks because uh, we had, you had Dory and Lydia sitting in a car with us. They met us over there and Rosin. So we had five drinks that we were waiting on. And I'm telling you, if we didn't wait 20 minutes, we didn't wait five minutes. 20 minutes for five drinks. Well, when the girl came out, she brought the drinks, but you know what? She forgot to bring with the drinks. Has, has that happened to y'all? She forgot to bring the straws with her. Oh, I'll be right back. Ten minutes later, and two calls back to the thing to say, look, they said they was bringing straws. We have no straws. We'll be right out. We'll be right out. We well, see, they done got my money. I done got my drink. They, they done forgot about me. So we're dealing with, what, 45 minutes now, 40 minutes into it. Now, we were having, a, the girls was having a conversation. They were having fun. Rosalind was just giggling at Lydia and Dory and, and Honey just having a good time. And, and I, I'm sitting over there, and I'm waiting, and I'm thinking, look, I, I, we can have a good time somewhere else. I don't want to just keep sitting here waiting on my straws. My ice is melting. I like ice, you know. I don't want my ice to melt, so everything's melting. And in, I get out, I, t- I said, well, I'm going to take care of it myself. So I got out the car. So I'm going, and when I get out the car, I shut the door, and they swear up and down that Papa slammed the door. He did slam the door. I shut the door, and I may have shut the door harder than what I usually would shut the door, but there was a mighty gust of wind come through. It was windy. And help blow the door. So they got a cackle out of that. Rosalind was like, I didn't know Papa would do that. And uh, so that was her only and first time she ever seen me get agitated with somebody in 10 years of her living. And, uh, but I, I really did not slam the door, but I went and they's like, what is he going to do? What is he doing? I walked up on in the place and said, I need some straws. Either going to bring them to me or you can give them to me right here. So, I finally got the straws. We got out of the car and, and we left. I wasn't ugly to them. I wasn't going to be ugly by no means. 
But 45 minutes later, and I, we finally got what we came to get. And I wasn't, I was, like I said, I, I was agitated in the fact that uh, you pay for service. And they don't have to give me the, uh, lay out the red carpet. I don't ever expect that. I ain't looking for that. I'm not that type of person. But I've communicated with them at least four or five times, and they said they were coming, and they never came, and I had to go get it myself. It just so happened to be that when I did shut the door, it appeared as if I slammed the door off the side of the car, and I, and I didn't. I didn't. But it's one of those things, Mr. Billy, I just have to live with the rest of my life now. And uh, so, yeah, so... We, you know, th- those things happen in our, our journey where we can feel like we have um, the answer to everything and we don't need God's help. And as a result, that God's going to give us that disturbed spirit when that happens. He's going to frustrate us. People are going to start frustrating us. And there's something about kingdom life that when we come to Jesus, trust in Him, even though we don't know everything about Him, we don't know everything that He's done, everything that He will do, we don't know the full extent of His power, uh, the more we learn about Him, the more we, we treasure and the more we love, there are no flaws in Him like there's flaws in us. And though our children trust us and will go to great means to show that they trust what we what we do and what we say, and, and they will prove that time and time again. And as they grow and get more independent, they start, they, they trust us, but they start testing the waters. They start doing things on their, on their own. And they think they know a little bit better than the experiences that, that we've gone through and learned. And that's not how Jesus said we come to Him. What did He say? We, we turn from that way of thinking and we come to Him as little children that trust Him. And it's in coming to Him in that way that through that converted, turning, and trusting work that He does something within us so that we can do like Matthew 11. Go to Matthew 11. Let's look at it. Matthew 11. So that's how we receive the kingdom. You can't receive the kingdom of God unless you receive it as a little child where you entrust yourself to Him. But Matthew 11. Notice what verse number... ...25 would say. Let's just start there. Verse 25. I tell you, we may go over and look in the, the Gospel of Luke as well. Won't you, matter of fact, turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter number 10, and we're going to read them together and see how Luke keeps something out but adds something to it, and we'll try to get a picture of this. Luke chapter 10. Hold your spot in Luke 10. Let's just start in Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew eleven twenty-five. At that time, Jesus answered and he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and who? Who were the wise and prudent? Those who knew better. Knew better than him. Didn't need him. Not, we're not talking about a wisdom that is, that is a, 
heavenly wisdom. We're not talking about something that God put in them. We're talking about that adolescent adult who doesn't need a word from God. God's hidden these things from the wise and prudent of this world and has revealed them unto who? Little children, those who what? Trust Him. That don't have to know everything about Him, but they trust Him. Verse 26, Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. This was a good thing that God chose to do. Verse 27, All things are delivered to me, Jesus said, and they delivered to me of my Father. And no man knows the Son but the Father, and neither no man, any man, knows the Father save the Son, and to whomsoever the Son will what? Reveal Him. So we're talking about something supernatural that goes on. That the purpose of Jesus was to reveal the Father, and nobody knows the Father except the Son, and nobody knows the Son except the Father, except those for whom He has willed to reveal it to. Well, He tells us He's willed to reveal it to who? Babes, to, to little children who come to Him in trust, who trust Him. Not those that doesn't need Him, not those that look at Him in a passive sense, not those that say, okay, well, that might be good for you, but it really has no application for me. No, a little child is going to come to him and they're going to trust him. Even if they don't have it all, if, if they don't know everything about him, they still trust him. And then Jesus gives these imperatives. These are imperatives that he gives. And an imperative is a simple command. He gives them in an aorist tense. It means a simple action that, that we take as babes. He says in verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then he says in verse 29, Take, that's that imperative, my yoke upon you. Here's another imperative, another command. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find what? Rest, rest unto or for your souls. For my yoke is easy, it's gentle, it's good, and my burden is light. What we have in this, which sometimes don't make a whole lot of sense to us in the sense that he's calling us from one sense of labor into another sense of labor. You see, rest doesn't come from rest. Rest comes from knowing a person. Knowing a person. This is an imperative of an invitation unto intimacy with a person. And it's intimacy with this person that he reveals himself. He reveals his father. He reveals his father's will. And it's something that we personally, nobody, nobody can do this for you. Nobody can do this for me. This is a, a personal imperative of an invitation to join him in intimacy personally. I can't do it for Brother Shannon. 
Miss Pat can't do it for Shannon. Stephanie can't do it for Shannon. Nobody can do it for Shannon. Shannon must come. Shannon must take. Shannon must learn himself. That nobody can bring rest into your life. Nobody can can do it for you. This is this is something that we have to be personally responsible to accept this invitation as an imperative for Jesus to come to him, to take from him, to take of him, and to learn from him. Nobody can substitute that for us. And if I'm without rest in the labor, in the work, it's because I have failed to take the simple imperative to come, to take upon his his yoke, to take it up, to lift it up, to put it on myself, and then... Learn from how he walks, how he lives, what he does. Nobody can substitute that for us. Nobody can replace us in that position. That's something that we all have to do individually. We have to do it in faith and we do it personally ourselves. I wish I could uh, transfer my rest to you, but I can't. I can't. You can't transfer it to me. I'm, I'm grateful that God allows me to rest in, in Him, to take upon this yoke. And the picture is, is that you're out there striving and working and, and you wore out in the work, you wore out in the journey, you wore out doing this your way, you wore out, you wore out, you wore out, but you need, you need rest. And He doesn't invite you to find rest in rest. He find, you find rest in Him. He invites you to come to Him. And when you come to Him, He then places His agenda, His purpose, His yoke upon you. And then He says, walk with me and learn from me. And then the burden that I place on you, the agenda I give you, the work that I give you, you'll find rest in that work when you're coming to me, when you're taking that yoke up, when you're learning from me. You won't get rest from it, but you'll find rest in it. And we all need that rest, amen. We need that rest. And if I could transfer it, I'd give it away. But I can't. I think I got enough, I could give you some. Honestly. But I can't. I can't. I wish I could. But it's good in the Father's sight that this is how He gives it. Because you're better off coming to Him than me transferring my rest to you. If all we had to do is transfer rest from one another, we wouldn't need Him. But you see, we need Him. And He knows we need Him more than we need anything else. And when we come to Him, we come to Him, uh, we answer this imperative to intimacy. Rest comes from... A person. We appropriate this invitation to be intentional. You got to be intentional with it. You can't. You can't just sit on the sidelines and say, "I'll get this uh, one day." No, you have to be intentional. You got to pick up the yoke. You got to take up the yoke. You got to be intentional in it. And we do all these things in faith. It's impossible to do anything with God apart from faith. It's all in believing. And then we apply this imperative 
an invitation to instruction. We are, he's inviting us to intimacy. It's an invitation to be intentional. And this intentional invitation is to be instructed. We need to be instructed. We need his instruction. We see it over and over again throughout the word that when anybody was in despair, filled with God's spirit, led of him to pen or write anything, it was always, Lord, lead me, teach me, guide me with your eye, lead me with your law, teach me your ways. We need his instruction. We need to hear from him. Amen. Not that he needs to necessarily hear from us, but we need to hear from him. Matter of fact, go look in Luke's passage of chapter number 10. Watch how this unfolds. Luke doesn't say what Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 says, but Luke gives us a little insight to the exact same things. Verse number 21 of Luke 10. It says, In that hour Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, and that you have hid these things from who? The wise and the prudent. Remember, Jesus said, I, don't, I didn't come to seek the righteous. I came to seek who? Sinners. Now, when he said righteous, he wasn't talking about people that were right with him. He was talking about people that were self-righteous, who didn't have a need of him. He said, I come to seek those who missed the mark and know they're missing the mark and they need me to help them with what they've missed the mark on. So this idea of wise and prudent is not in a good sense. This is in a bad sense of being wise and prudent. He said he's hid these things from them and has revealed them unto who again? Babes, little children. Jesus said, unless you're converted and become like these little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God you got to be born again and be made like a little child that trusts him even so father for it seemed good in your sight verse 22 all things are delivered to me of my father and no man knows who the son is but the father knows him and who the father is but the son knows who the father is and to whom the son will reveal the Father. That was Jesus. That was the glory upon Jesus' life to reveal the Father. He goes on to say this, verse 23. Then he turned unto his disciples and he said privately to them, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see the things which you see and have not seen them and to hear the things which you hear and have not what? Notice, Matthew eleven twenty eight. that is left out of there where he said, Come, take my yoke and learn of me. Luke doesn't bring that up. But what Luke brings up, Matthew didn't bring up. And that is, is that, hey, blessed are you if you are seeing and hearing. Why? Hearing in the kingdom is what? Seeing in the kingdom. And seeing in the kingdom is knowing what the Father's revealing in and through the Son. And it's in that wisdom and that understanding that we hear the voice of God and can follow after Him. We can come to Him. We can take upon His yoke and we can learn from Him. It's all in what? Hearing and seeing and knowing what the Father's revealing 
through His Son. And that only happens what? Through faith that we hear, that we hear, that we hear. You don't see in God's kingdom without hearing in God. It's hearing is seeing. You got to hear to be able to see. Faith cometh by what? Hearing. hearing and hearing comes by a report, a word from God, a news from God. And it's in that, what is faith? Faith is what? Seeing and agreeing and acting on what God sees or what he reveals. So it's when God speaks, it's in the speaking or the revealing of God that we hear and see him and get to know him. Very similar to remember that transfiguration time when Peter was up on that mountain. Look over in Luke 9. It's right here. Might as well look at it. we this close and we'll go. Luke 9, look about verse number 28. Let's just start in verse number 28. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment, his clothes were white and glistening. He was, he was manifesting his glory. They were seeing the glory of him. They didn't understand this previous. They didn't even understand it after they saw it. But they, they were seeing something that other people couldn't see. God was revealing his, his glory upon his son. And behold, there, talk with him. There was two other men there. And what was their names? Moses and Elijah. And, and notice, Peter and them recognized who they were. Supernaturally, they were given insight because how would you know Moses or Elijah the prophet that lived. You wouldn't know them unless something illuminated your thinking in that presence with Jesus of knowing who they were. It goes like this. Let's just read a little bit further. Verse 31. Who appeared in glory, in beauty, and spoke of his decease, which should be accomplished in Jerusalem. So Moses and Elijah... And Jesus had a conversation about what was going to happen at the cross. But Peter and they that were with him, what happened to them? In the midst of glory taking place, they sleeping. In the midst of this conversation that was happening about things that they really, most likely, there was a reason why they was asleep. God put them asleep. God put them asleep because of the conversations that were taking place. But they are fast asleep. And when they were awake, they saw his beauty, his glory, his radiance. And the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said to Jesus. Notice Peter. Peter said, Master, it is sure a good thing that we are here. It's good that we're here. You got servants here, God. We ready to work with you. Let us make three tabernacles. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He knew who they were. Amen. Amen. Even though they were sleeping during that conversation when they woke up. And his scripture says they left. 
But they saw Jesus and His radiance and they just knew what was happening. And then Peter opens his mouth and says, not knowing what he said. Y'all ever talk about, y'all say, do we ever do that? Do we ever open our mouth and just talk and we don't really know what we're saying? It's basically saying Peter didn't even realize what he was talking about when he said, let's make three tabernacles. He didn't even realize what he was saying when he said, for Elijah and Moses, God, in that moment, God is at work and he is, he is hearing and seeing and speaking things that he don't even understand what he's saying. While he thus spoke, there came a cloud and that cloud overshadowed them and they feared as they entered into the cloud, just like the rest of us, we would do the same thing. We would be intimidated and fear like what is about to happen, what's going on with us here. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, what was the voice? What did it say? This is my beloved son. Wait a minute now. What was the next word? This is my beloved son, my chosen one. Hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone and they kept it close and told no man in those days any of these things which they had seen. This, didn't, this wasn't no knowledge until they penned scripture down the road. But pay attention to what he said. Peter automatically jumps up and says, we should build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah not knowing what he said. And then God came down and rested upon that mountain. And he said, concerning his son, this is my beloved son, Peter. Shh. Be quiet. It's not as much what you can build. It's not as much what you can say. The most important thing about your life is hearing Him. Amen. Hearing Him. Hearing from Him. Peter, close your mouth. Shh. Be quiet. Be quiet. Hear Him. Whatever He says, hear Him. Remember Jesus' mama? kept those things in her heart that day at that wedding feast she's told those servants look whatever he says do it don't argue with him don't question him you ain't even got to open your mouth about it whatever he says go do you know how we you know how we find rest when we keep our mouths shut and we come to him we take up personally and intentionally that yoke and put it upon us. Amen. And we listen for his voice. And we learn and follow after him. God told Peter, Shh, keep your mouth shut. I know you want to work. I know you want to serve. I know you're ready to say something because all these things are going on about to blow your mind. You in a you in another world and another another dimension of seeing things you never saw, and all you want to do is talk about it. But the key is is hearing him. Just hear him. 
Remember that day that Jesus was in the house of Lazarus and Martha and Mary? Remember that sister when she came in? What was her name? What did he say to Martha? What did Martha want him to do? He said, I need my sister. We got all these people in here. You got all your entourage with you. You got all these guys walking with you. We're going to feed you and take care of you, but I can't, I can't do this on my own. We got to serve y'all. We got to feed you. And he, she rebuked Jesus. She rebuked him and said, you need to do something about it and put her to work. And what did, what did Jesus say to her? Oh, he said, Martha, Martha. He says, you are encumbered with many, with many things. But your sister has chosen the good part that won't ever be taken away from her. What is she doing? She's doing what? She's sitting at his feet, listening, hearing, hearing. Peter was like Martha. He was ready to work, ready to get with it, ready to do it, ready to knock it out. But Jesus, the Father said, hear him. Here he is. This is what you need right here, Peter. You need rest in the work. And to have rest in the work, you need to hear <coughs> from the person who's going to give you rest. He's not going to keep you from the work. He's not going to keep you out of work. He's going to give you a work to do, but the work he gives you to do is his work. And to do his work, you've got to hear from him. And when you're doing his work, hearing from him, the work you'll be doing is easy. It's gentle. <coughs> it's light. The burden is light. You'll have rest in the work. Because you're learning, hearing from him. And at any time we ever find ourselves unsettled, in turmoil, disturbed in our spirit, fretting, worried, you can name it a thousand different things, it's all going to come back to this, is that we're not taking and answering the invitation to be intimate with the Lord, to be intentional to take up his yoke to learn from him, to be instructed by him. Because what he gives us is something that we'll be able to do and we'll be able to do it. It's not going to be easy. It'd be, it can be a challenge and hard. But she gives rest to our souls. He gives us rest to our... Our bodies may be physically worn. They may be worn out. But our souls, our spirit, the inner man is at rest. And being worn out for Jesus. And we're not trying to fix it all. And change it all. No, he's at work giving us rest in that journey with him. And oh, the difference that it makes. You know, we, we, we look at the difficulties and the problems differently. When we're at rest in our spirit with him. We look at people and our, our, our assignment with people differently. You can tell when you're a little frustrated and you're disturbed in your spirit. You know who frustrates you more than anybody? 
other people. Other people until we come to the conclusion that it's not other people that are frustrating. I'm frustrated because I'm out of order with the Lord. And because I'm out of order, I see everybody else out of order with me. And they're frustrating me. They're a problem to me. They're a burden to me. They, they are trouble to me. And, and, and everything's about everything around me. But when we come to Jesus and we take his yoke and we learn from him, we realize that, hey, none of this ever changes. But he's doing something in me. Amen? Amen. I could be physically worn down, but I still have rest. But remember, you can't, you can't, I can't transfer that rest and you can't transfer it to me. And every single time, these are not in present tense imperatives. So it's not something that is a continual thing that happens and happens and happens and happens. It's something that we have to take the initiative and take the simple acts every time we find ourselves in unrest, disturbed and unsettled, we remember these things and we take the simple action of coming back to Him. Taking up His yoke. Learning from Him, hearing from Him. And letting Him quiet or calm our anxious spirit as David said when he got up in the lap of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. I ask you to help us with these. We want to learn them. We want to know them. But you put us through situations that often uh, will try us, will test us. Not that you need to know where we are, but we can find out where we are so that we can uh, hear and listen and learn and walk with you. And sometimes the best thing for us before you is, is not open our mouths in your uh, presence of asking you the whys and the whats and the wheres and the hows and that we can go to work for you but as the father revealed that the best thing we can do is hear from you and follow what you say so we trust you we want to be like little children that just trust you cling to you and find great rest in your presence we love you and thank you in jesus name Amen.